Welcome to Corporate Governance at LSE. My name is Tom Kirchmeier and I have with me here Joseph Schuster from IPOX Schuster from Chicago, also alumni of the LSE. Welcome back to the LSE, Joseph. Thank so, you for having me. What does IPOX do? So what we do at IPOX, we design financial products related to global IPOs and spin-offs. So we have come up with a set of indexes called the IPOX indexes, which are really asset allocation focused tool to provide um, asset allocation focused exposure to IPO and spin-off performance in the aftermarket. Around $2 billion tied to various of our indexes. This index is also uh, set to trade as uh, futures contracts on the Chicago Mercantile Exchange starting March 7th. That's great. Congratulations to that. So we are here very interested in globalization and access to capital, which is obviously a big driver um, for economic growth. Why are IPOs so important in that mechanism? IPOs are quite interesting. Obviously, the going public uh, event offers uh, companies the opportunity. Companies, uh, you know, receive cash and then do something with this cash. Sometimes this investing of cash after the IPO leads to a lot of innovation, like in biotechs, like in energy exploration, and so forth. From a market point of view, you obviously have only few companies driving the performance of many IPOs and IPOX really provides a solution to investing in that space. So it pushes capital into the global space and so is this product just the US based or is it is it global? I always talk about global. We, have, uh, we started with the US yeah. indexes uh, called the IPOX uh, US uh, uh, indexes and then obviously we focus at IPOX very much on the global level. So we look at IPOs and spin-offs in Hong Kong and in mainland China, obviously in Europe, in the Nordic region in Europe, on a global basis in Latin America. And of, of course, the core business is US IPOs. This is uh, the lion's share of our business right now. Simply because there are most IPOs, I guess, in the global world. He's Obviously, historically, the U.S. has been you know, very, very important in terms of driving innovation and growth. And the IPO event, obviously, is very important for U.S. companies, for venture capital, for private equity firms. On average, in the U.S., around $400 billion of market cap has been created through IPO and spin-off activity annually. Mm. So there's a lot of actions there, a lot of size coming, a lot of innovation being fostered, unemployment being created. So very important mm. from a global perspective. So these are mainly US companies that then list in the US or are these kind of the companies from all over the world that kind of come to Some the companies obviously they are from China, they go public in the US. What we saw actually recently is obviously a rise of the European IPO market, um, much uh, due to the change in equity culture in Europe on the continent as well as in the United uh, Kingdom whereby Obviously, this is uh, going public, selling your company on the stock market has become much more popular because obviously it can result in, in a lot of advantages for companies to be public. So this is kind of interesting for us. You mentioned the change mm. in the equity culture. That, uh, the, the American model or the Anglo-American model is kind of spreading around the world, mm. into Europe, into Asia, uh, providing access to capital, which is great. But I suspect not all IPOs go well. Do, do we have a feeling for what's the fraction of IPOs that tank after being listed? So there's obviously you know, there a lot of empirical patterns associated with IPO performances, what we had studied at CLSC for a long time in my academic work here. Obviously, first they're underpriced and then they trade differently over the short and on the long run. 
In the long run, what we define in this first four years of trading when the going public effect is very strong and really kicks in, typically 15 to 20 percent of the companies on an equally weighted basis would do well, but then obviously 80 percent would underperform. In terms of median performance, when it takes a median out of a sample of 2,200 IPOs in the US, for example, the median return is 40 percent down after four years of trading. However, the average is around 10% up. And really what we do at IPOX is we try and we find an asset allocation focused solution to capture the performance of these better IPOs. If you want the Facebooks, the Googles, the CME groups, the Prudential Financials of the world, versus the many Krispy Kreme donuts of the world, which eventually will have underperformed after a long period of time. So it's really driven just by a few exceptional stars, just the top five, ten percent or so. Do we know actually what the percentage of firms is that outperform and drive the entire market? So it would be around fifteen percent on yeah. an equally basis of uh, of companies, which eventually will have done, you know, substantially well in the aftermarket. Obviously, many IPOs will have eventually underperformed. That's so, what we only know exposed. Now that these companies would have underperformed. And exposed the companies that underperform, do they get typically taken over? Do they exit the market again? They do could go bankrupt. They could um, uh, be taken over by larger companies. They could just trade along forever in the aftermarket as well. Mm -hmm. So is this just a US phenomenon that everything is driven by the few stars, the top 15%, or is it a global phenomenon? So this is a a phenomenon which is particularly pertains to uh, US IPOs, European IPOs and developed Asia-Pacific IPOs. We don't see this evidence yet from companies, for example, trading in the mainland uh, Chinese IPO market. There, the dynamics are, are, are slightly different. They all succeed, is it? Or? They all, <laughs> well, I mean, the dynamics are different. Yeah. There's obviously a lot of uh, support for these companies from a, uh, from a government perspective and yes. which skews the returns of uh, respective companies. And probably also the capital market is much more, much younger in a way. And so we will have to wait and see how this all plays out. Yeah, again, like what I want yeah. to uh, say is this kind of phenomenon really pertains to very developed markets with a strong, relatively strong long run equity market. Do we know a little bit more about what constitutes a star, like the top 15%? Are there special ownership patterns, control rights, or is it just kind of technology and luck? Um, you know, obviously some uh, early stage technology companies can drive the performance, but what we really find is uh, that the underperformers are really small IPOs and microcap IPOs, the larger deals which have actually a long-run history, which have an earnings record, which have sales, and which are not like underpriced too much at the openings that typically actually do perform quite well in the aftermarket. But it's very hard to say whether, you know, we don't want to distinguish between venture capital backed, private equity backed. At IPOX really pulls these companies together mm. as a group of, of equity, if you want. Do we know how much typically is floated? Is it like 10%, 15% or is it a much bigger stake? The average float in the US right now and in Europe is around 27%. Um, it's obviously companies in high tech, like a Twitter, like a group owner, so they typically float very little on the market. This has to do with uh, the fact that they obviously want to support 
a respective high valuation for as long as they can get mm. in the aftermarket. But obviously also you have an owner with a very strong interest because he then carries whatever, sure. uh, 70% plus or the, the group of initial owners. That's correct. Yeah. Obviously, if you look at venture capital backed IPOs, even some private equity backed IPOs, the ownership of a certain group of venture influential group would be quite high. And you see then subsequently in this first four years or five years in the aftermarket, these owners kind of reducing the stake in the companies. And the stake then is being bought by other private equity firms, by hedge funds and so forth. Uh, so it's not typically floated out, it's more like it goes to another institutional investor. It's being floated as secondary <coughs> offerings in the aftermarket, but obviously secondary offerings are then only being taken up by the market if the respective firm is really successful in its, in, in its stock price. Mm -hmm. Otherwise it's very hard obviously to sell at a good valuation if the underlying uh, company is on a downward drift, especially if say if, if sales are not growing, if price and price earnings ratios and price to sales ratios cannot be maintained. Mm. Joseph, we're yeah. almost out of time. One last question. What's the outlook for the future in the IPO market? The IPO market goes through cycles. Right now it's kind of slow because obviously it's linked to volatility in the stock market. Overall, if you're a capitalist, IPO activity will always be there and spin-off activity and so there's a solution, IPOX, which offers, it's an indexing solution to that space whereby investors can capture the alpha um, of respective company and avoid uh, uh, underperforming companies. Many thanks, Joseph, for coming thanks. in all the way from Chicago. And many thanks to our viewers for watching us today. Mm -hmm.